0: Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast, where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration, hope, and triumph. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Joy and laughter may be involved. This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Winfeld. Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast. This is your host, Lori Winfeld, and I'm here with Beverly Sartain. How are you?
1: Doing great. Really happy to be
0: here. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy you're here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I was really nervous at first when Beverly and I talked about doing this interview because she's really well put together and so is all her stuff. And I'm like, uh, you know, I curse, right? <laughs> I felt like I was, I felt like I had to like, you know, go through some kind of process to make sure she understood what she was getting into. So thank you for loving me for who I am.
1: You are very welcome.
0: I'm making the assumption you love me already. You
1: assumed correctly. Yes, I knew it. I told you I have
0: really good intuition. Okay. So Beverly is going to talk to us today about her. Oh my gosh. Crazy story. We were just discussing how long ago she Mm -hmm got into sobriety and recovery, and what she's doing to help save the world right now. Without further ado, I'm going to let you start your story.
1: Uh, The story, I always start off at being a helping professional. So I was working at a domestic violence shelter, and I was realizing that I was being of service to other people, but I was not being of service to myself. So this was a common theme and pattern in my life, that I, I used work, I, I used relationships. I used things outside of me to feel better about myself and to feel okay. And so I just, um, I was coming home from work and, and drinking a bottle of wine. I was using drugs on the weekends. I was just engaged in a lot of patterns that were not conducive to being of service to other people. And so I finally got to the point where I figured I needed to be of service to myself. And that, that came. In a really hard and harsh way through a lot of anxiety and um, suicidal ideations. So I just, I had been ignoring myself for a really long time and sweeping my, my old trauma under the rug and thinking that all this stuff was just going to go away and I was going to get better. And so that of course didn't happen. And I had to ask for help. And that was really hard as a helping professional, someone who helped other people. It was really hard for me to then admit that I needed help. And so I struggled with that for a really long time, um, that I was supposed to be strong, that I was supposed to be this person that was um, great at serving other people and helping other people. But here I was, unable to to take the first step and help myself. So essentially, that's that's where it began. I reached out to um, actually an ex-boyfriend. Um, and he was an ex-boyfriend because of my behaviors and, um, just let him know know that I was in a really bad place. And he scheduled uh, a therapy appointment for me and took me to that appointment. And, um, yeah, that's when my healing journey began was, was with that appointment. And I didn't get sober right away. It took another three months (laughs) of me, of me, um, thinking I can moderate, thinking I could, you know, do it differently And then that therapist basically said, Beverly, if you want to work on the mental and emotional things that you said you wanted to work on, then, you know, drinking is not going to be part of that process. And so at that point, I committed to not drinking for a year and um, engaging in therapy and getting on some medication for my anxiety. And that's how the, the process started. From there, the journey went on to getting a master's degree in spiritual psychology. So real quickly, like six months later, after um, I was sober, I went back to school for a master's degree in spiritual psychology, uh, which is pretty <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And I just talked with someone
0: recently yeah. about this. I have to just, sorry, just, yeah, just please. in here is I feel like that's something that almost everyone does, at least with the people that I have seen myself around. And same thing, I I don't know that I was three months sober and I literally was at the university signing up for my <laughs> master's program and getting myself into honors psych 101 because I had a degree in business. Mm-hmm. So I had to take some, you know, just basic classes. And I just remember sitting in there with all these kids, (laughs) like just getting out of high school. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm even not drunk yet. Right. It's only been a few months. And so, yeah, it's just, it's so interesting when you get to that place where you just realize, holy shit, I'm healed. Right. You you think, and you just want to save the world. Right. So good on you for actually continuing
1: with that. Yeah, and it was a two year process. So it was extensive. It was an extensive healing process. And it's it's part of what I share with people today. But then it kind of unfolded. And, and then I went back and um, was doing nonprofit work, but became a substance abuse counselor, and then shifted into my own coaching business six years ago. So it's, it's truly been a, a journey of healing myself, and then a, a being of service to other people, but from a healthy place. I mean, that was the difference for me from when I was 26. I felt like I was helping people, but it was from a very codependent and unhealthy place. Right. And now I feel like I serve people from a very healthy place inside of myself. So that feels like a big win.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So you went through all of that and I didn't even say this earlier, just so you know, you are listening to an author here, by the way, yes. first time author, <laughs>
1: What's happening? It is out, and um, it is a vulnerable and intimate. You know, it, it feels very vulnerable and intimate in a sense. Oh, I'm sure I can't even imagine. It is, it is. But it's. It also feels very good to be at this place in my process where I can share. Um, so I feel really good about that. And what's funny is I've been wanting to write this book for a very long time. I think I was three years sober, and I wanted to write a book. Oh. When I was 29 and I didn't. <laughs> and so it took another 10 years to write a book, and now I can see why. I think I I, I wasn't ready to um, share what I've shared in this book back then. I, I of right. course, had that idea that I wanted to do it, but um, the actualization of that, I, I think needed to unfold. And so, yeah, I share a lot of intimate assignments that I did, and I really break down the process of uh, spiritual psychology and how I applied it to my healing journey in the book.
0: Wow. That seems really fancy. (laughs) (laughs) I have a very intelligent guest on today. (laughs) The name of the book is Trans... Not to say that any of my guests prior to this weren't. (laughs) Sorry, everyone. Love your faces. Um, Beverly's book. Okay. We have to talk about it. Transcending trauma, how Mm -hmm. I used spiritual psychology to heal my life. So years ago, you want to write a book. You're probably just not sure what that looks like. And then now it's come to you and you're probably feeling safe enough to put it out there. Mm -hmm. What is transcending trauma? What are we going to get out of it when we purchase this book? Because everyone on this podcast, all the listeners are going to go somewhere after this podcast and get the book. That's what happens.
1: That's awesome. I would, I would really appreciate that. I would love that. Get Um, the book, get the book, get the book. (laughs) You know, transcending trauma. It's, it's a, it's a practical application. So I think that's something that's been really unique about my process is I'm, I've learned this through my recovery process. I'm very good at hearing information and applying it. So where some people hear information and they just keep consuming information and thinking they need more information in order to take a next step, I, I love to hear information and then say, what am I going to take from this? that I'm going to actually apply and implement in some sort of way. Like I would love for your listeners somehow from this podcast to hear something that then they take some sort of inspired action around, right? Because that's kind of how the co-creative process happens is you hear something, you take action on it, you have some more learnings, and then that's that's how it flows, And so something different about the book is it's really this breakdown of the transformation process. So I thought back, how did my transformation happen? How? How did this transformation happen in this two years that I was studying spiritual psychology? And so I break the book down into what I call the four keys. And there's four areas that that happened in that process that supported me in transforming. One of them was I increased my awareness One of them was I realized I had to change my thinking and perspective about myself specifically, Um, but I also needed to resolve unresolved issues or grievances that I was holding in my mind and my consciousness. I realized I needed new skills because up until that point, I had just been coping. My, My skills were all coping skills and I knew I needed something else. In order to actually resolve and, and move forward in my life. And then the fourth part is, uh, is about practice, is that I'm very consistent and I consistently applied the new things that I was learning in order to embody a new way of being. And that's really how the, the transformation happened for me. So that's that breakdown is in the book. Cool. Yeah.
0: What was your thinking or your feeling or your calling when you decided this was your path?
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because like I shared with you before we we hopped on, there was no religious training, and so I didn't I didn't really have a connection. So I thought. So I thought I didn't have a connection the way that I saw other people have a connection in society. Yet I knew I was a very deep person, a very soulful person, and a very connected person even though when I was in my my youth I wasn't connected. And so that's why I think it created such a discrepancy for me is because my true nature and essence is a very deep and connected person, and I was doing everything I could in my life to to disconnect and shut down. Um, So that created, I think, a lot of anxiety and depression for me uh, because I wasn't living out my true nature at that time. Um, So I think the calling was just a calling back to my true self, Mm -hmm. and with the the calling back to my true self, I think. And I talk about this in the book that there's people that get put on our path. There's, you know, we all know this that there's these synchronicities that happen that you just keep following those breadcrumbs, and then you're on a journey. You're on some journey of self discovery, and that's what it really was, Lori. It was. It was. I wanted to discover the truth about myself beyond the labels and um, the self loathing that I had at the time, and I knew that I needed to resolve that in order to live a good life, which is what Mm -hmm. I do. Do you feel like, do you feel like you've fulfilled that? Do you think you did that? Yeah, a hundred percent, which is such an incredible feeling, you know, to be um, at the age that I'm at and um, to already feel that I, I've, I'm really happy with my life. I'm very content with my life and I'm happy with the actualization that's happened Yeah, thank you for that question. I really like that question. (laughs) They just come to me (laughs) because they're so intuitive. (laughs) I have it.
0: I have it. People, did you? Do you feel like this book? Mm -hmm. While I'm sure, of course. We all would say, of course, they want everybody to read it because you get money, but that's not why Mm -hmm. you write a book, right? You are obviously telling a story and you want to help people. Is there a person that you think should go run and get this book now that will help them? Who is that person?
1: Yeah, I mean, especially people that have experienced trauma, right? So I I grew up in a domestic violence situation with my mom and dad, and um, my dad was an alcoholic, and my parents were from from a different country. And so um, there was a lot of challenges that I faced at that point. And so anybody that's had childhood trauma, um, which then I know led to mental health issues for me and um, substance abuse issues, and it doesn't need to just be substances, it can be any type of coping behavior that you're then using. I really have that trifecta of of trauma, substance abuse, and mental health. And I think that that story speaks to a lot of people because for a long time, um, I didn't really relate to recovery communities because I didn't really feel like my main issue was substances. It was just what I used to self-medicate. My real issue was trauma, unresolved trauma, and that unresolved trauma then led to all these different things, you know, and so that's why the spiritual psychology has been so awesome, because it's really approaching your issues from a holistic lens, versus just looking at the substance abuse. It's looking at the whole picture. And when I did that, I realized that that the true issue for me was the unresolved trauma that then led to these other things. So, so somebody who just relates to childhood trauma and going through that whole process of needing to reconnect with yourself. I think would really benefit from this. And also, anyone who's not jiving with the traditional AA and um, meetings, because I—that's not how I got sober. So mm-hmm. um, I, I am somebody who you know is open to all paths to recovery. And um, so people that you know are looking for alternative recovery usually tend to like. My stuff as well. Yeah, that's
0: great. I love that you brought that up because it's one of my, it's just, it is my sole purpose with recovery hour. It's not the sole purpose. Okay. So I like to tell stories. I like to tell everybody's stories. That's what I want to do. But I also feel like people really misunderstand the term recovery Mm -hmm. and the journey that people go through. So for me, I'm trying to really put it out there that sobriety does not equal recovery. Mm -hmm. Recovery does not equal sobriety. Not everybody that's in recovery uses or is an alcoholic or has that vice. So to hear you talk about that is, um, you know, it's just comforting because I know that the more we educate people about that. And and frankly, my counselor at the time when I decided to get help for alcohol use, it was very clear to my counselor that the insurance company was sending me to the wrong place Mm -hmm. because they wanted me to go to a detox center. And my counselor, who had been working with me for years, was like, uh-uh, she doesn't need that. <laughs> she needs to go to this place, which was some uh, somewhere that would take care of me mentally. Yes. That everything that you're talking about. And again, I've said this so many times on this show. And maybe you can help with this too, is to talk a little bit about this subject is trauma. When I thought of trauma ever before I became an educated person based on my interactions with the recovery community, I always believed trauma was just like I saw a car accident and the ambulance came and the firemen were there. And that was a traumatic accident, right? Trauma to me was an accident or something very like Whoa. And I never really understood that I pretty much lived in trauma my Mm -hmm. entire life Mm -hmm. for some of the same reasons you just said, right? Parents, domestic abuse, Mm -hmm. um, you know, finding out after my brother died that he's only my half brother, not my full brother, even though that's how we were raised. And I mean, just crazy bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. These are all things that affected me that I had zero idea. So maybe you can talk to the listeners a little bit about trauma and for anyone that's sort of new in the process of recovery and exploring what that even means to them through this spiritual psychology, would you consider trauma events?
1: Yeah. I I mean, usually just knowing that there's complex trauma is really important, right? So you're talking about like singular events that happen, which are traumatic for people, um, house fire, car accident. But then there's these events that, that happen reoccurring and that's like living in a domestic violence situation with your, your parents, right? So it's, you're in this environment where it's fearful, it's unsafe, it's unpredictable um, and you're a child and you don't really have dominion over what's going on and the ability to keep yourself safe, right? So I think it's important to know that there is that complex trauma and, and, and Um, There's also complex PTSD for people. So in terms of spiritual psychology, what I really liked about learning it that helped me start to work on the trauma is that we look at things in a holistic manner on the four levels of the mental level, the emotional level, the spiritual level, and the physical level. And so working a practice on those four levels is a great way to support yourself if you have trauma because then no matter what's happening outside of you you at least are you know taking responsibility for yourself on those those four levels. So when we think about like a recovery practice or a recovery routine, I always encourage people to create their practice around those four levels because what usually happens is people are top heavy on one, like maybe they love to run you know, so they run every day, mm-hmm. um, but they're not working the mental level. And so they're not really working on their thoughts, or, or having a positive self dialogue, or, um, or their emotions are just all over the board, or there's no spiritual connection, you know, um, right. whether that connection is to nature, or just connecting with yourself and other people. Um, or if that connection is something higher than yourself. So that's what I always like to share with people that are experiencing a lot of trauma, because when I started to do that practice, I was a- better able to handle stuff that was happening in my life, because mm-hmm. I was creating some consistency and safety with myself. Right. And so then even when there was things that were maybe not consistent or unsafe outside of myself, I was better able to cope with it and handle it, um, because I was working those four levels within myself.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine when you're a young person going through such a chaotic type of lifestyle, you don't realize that those feelings are coming up you don't realize oh i you know because of x y and z through my childhood i now feel unsafe whenever i go to this type of place or when i whenever i walk into my family's home or when i have an argument with someone it brings up such crazy things and i feel like this is going to happen i always i always love when i t- talk with clients um, about when the shoes the other shoes going to yeah. drop right when we get to a place where you're like oh my god this feels so great and i really want this relationship to work or whatever it is and then you're like fuck, I got to ruin it because if I don't ruin it now, it's just going to get ruined yeah. <laughs> and and you can't be happy because you know that it's going to go, you know, it's going to just be taken from you. So I, I also started thinking a lot when you were talking about the four things, mm-hmm. you had a dimension, yeah. I'm like, you had a fancy <laughs> word for it. I'm like, those things that you talked <laughs> that, about. <right. laughs> I always get into my New York accent when I get nervous. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you talked about those four
1: dimensions. things.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even remember it. it was like three seconds ago. To know.
1: Yeah, it's fine. I, I don't need you. to know. I, I just to need you. to know to do it.
0: <laughs> so the four things, the four dimensions, I, again, as a coach, always go through this and not necessarily in those orders, but yes, if you have. Structure, if you take care of yourself mentally Mm -hmm. and you take care of yourself physically, this is what I always hear. So please help me and tell the listeners how the frig (laughs) do you make time to do any of that shit, right? Like you're like, okay, I finally got, I grounded myself today, as in I just put my feet in the grass for 20 minutes. Now I need to exercise and I need to go get on my bicycle. And then I have to take a shower because i can't be dirty and then i need to go journal because i have to get my thoughts out and by the way don't worry about whatever else is going on in my life cuz now i have no time for it because i'm actually taking care of myself
1: so what do they do what do we do how do we
0: do the four dimensions
1: yeah so you you get intentional with it so it's not a matter of the length of time i tell people it's a matter of the intention behind it so the truth is that while you're in the shower You know, actually I do this when I'm in the shower, (laughs) you know, I, I release and let go of any extra energy or emotion that just isn't serving me right now. Right. There's you heard
0: it here first, what Beverly's doing in the shower. (laughs) She's washing it all away. people. Right.
1: Exactly. Like in Reiki, when you're done doing a session, you do what's called cord cutting and you wipe your arms off. And so sometimes I'm in the shower and I've worked with a lot of clients to not doing Reiki, but doing coaching. I do that. I cut the cords off and I just release any extra energy today that isn't serving me. So it's, it's not a matter of, I got to do this for 30 minutes and I got to do that for 45 minutes and I got to do this, you know, for another hour, you know, you can do a full on practice within 30 minutes if you Mm. wanted to, you know, so, and all the other things that you then do are just icing on the cake. So it's more about that. You took the time for yourself that yeah. you, you, like you said, that you grounded yourself, you centered yourself, you, you made space for you, um, you made space for the connection. And now you can approach your day from a more connected place versus a reactive or frantic or chaotic place, which mm-hmm. is what most you know, people are doing when they wake up in the morning, they jump right into reaction towards responsibilities of the day versus taking the time to ground and center themselves and then approach the day in a more responsive way.
0: Yeah. And I love what you said about it and being an intentional about it, right? We get so caught up with this to-do list and mm-hmm. what is our practice and what are we supposed to be doing? And I have to go to the gym in order to say that I exercise, but really how many times did you walk up the stairs today? Right? right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I have a new puppy. I can't tell you how much I've run. I'm literally out of breath chasing him in pine cones for God's sakes, this crazy thing. <laughs> um, but it makes sense. Wake up, be intentional about your thoughts and your practice. And then move about your day.
1: Yeah, I love to do my practice in the morning. Because I just find, first of all, I am a morning person. So I just have better energy in the morning. But I love starting my day off being intentional. And it doesn't, again, Mm -hmm. it can be 10 minutes, it can be 15 minutes, you know, but the fact that I took the time to connect with something higher than myself, and just slowed down. And directed my next steps. It, it just it makes such a difference for me.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So we mentioned a few times you're a coach. coach yeah, coach, coach, coach. coach love it.
1: <laughs> yes. Tell
0: us about your coaching business and your coaching practice and all of the things.
1: Well, it's really interesting. It's been such an incredible unfolding for me. So I worked nonprofits for 10 years and I, I kind of hit this cap of is this it? You know I was overgiving, underpaid and I always say, participating in that pattern. (laughs) And I loved my jobs. And so, you know, I was doing it on my free will. Um, But then I just, I I knew I had more potential to give. Um, And so I was either going to go through the mainstream kind of ways of becoming a social worker or a therapist. Um, And at that time, coaching came on my radar. And I'm so glad that it did. Because honestly, Uh, it's been such a great fit for me. And the amount of creativity that's happened for me over the last six years has just been phenomenal. Um, So it's been a beautiful process. And it's been quite like, you know, my recovery journey. You you know, when you start a business, you go on a journey like that, too.
0: (laughs) You know? Yeah. You're like, what the hell am I doing? I want to be a coach. You want to coach what?
1: recovery, why not?
0: I mean, right.
1: And it's going to (laughs) show you your ass too, you know, like the whole process is going to show you what you still have to work on. So that, that's definitely been the case. And, um, and it's been a lot of learning, but I went in around alternative recovery and where I have ended up is, is completely a different place, which is, that's the cool part about it. So Mm -hmm. when in alternative recovery was uh, coaching people around recovery, and then people started to come to me about my business, you know, how are you doing the online business? How are you having success? So came for more business mentorship. And then last year, I was approached to purchase a recovery school, which was like completely out of the blue. Wow uh, Yeah, it was a big wow and it, it actually changed the trajectory of, of my, my coaching business um, because I, I at that moment realized you know that I can start training people on how to coach too. Mm-hmm. And so this year I um, created the holistic Coach Training Institute to provide coach certification to people around holistic coaching and got the program ICF accredited, which is the International Coach Federation. Got it accredited this year as well.
0: For any of you that are listening and don't know, that's a BFD. And for any of you that just heard BFD <laughs> and don't know what that means, it's big fucking deal.
1: <laughs> I was like, "What does that mean?" And then I immediately was like, "Yes, I know what Beverly that really is, I mean. is like, I have no idea
0: what Bfd. She's thinking like, big, I don't know. I'm like, listen, lady. <laughs> it's my language. That's amazing. Good for you. Thank you. Like Good. just how it all fell together.
1: it you can't you can't know these things. This is, this is why I love sharing these stories because when, when you start, you want to know everything, you know, like you said, who am I serving? How am I serving them? Mm -hmm. Um, How it all is going to go down. Right. And that's, I think part of the human condition is we want to know the how of everything and we want to know the steps of everything. Um, But there's some things you just have to take the risk of going on the journey because you would never in a million years dream up where you're going to end up. You would never know that that's where you're supposed to end up, right? Maybe you didn't know that you were going to be doing a podcast at some point. Listen,
0: (laughs) I definitely didn't think I'd be sitting behind a damn computer editing podcasts in the middle of the night because I was such a perfectionist. But I did know that I had that connection situation. Mm -hmm. Like you said, we talked about that, the intuition. You know, when you connect with people, and I see that in my children as well, that there's just a gift. And you just now for me, I think back to my family always saying, like, oh, Lorianne, you know, she everybody always like, you know, they always draw to her. And um, as a child, it's yeah. like, we and it was just normal. And I think because I was just so understanding of people's feelings. Do you call mm-hmm. that empathetic? Yeah, yes. Did. So regardless, um, if someone was happy or sad, I just felt it. And I would just be like, what's wrong with you? Or, Hey, you're happy. I want to be happy. Right. You know? <laughs> and I that. see my seven year old <laughs> doing the same thing and she's so damn cute. Mm-hmm. And, um, I actually, it was so funny the other day. Oh God, I hope he's not listening to this. He doesn't listen to all these. I don't know what he listens to, but my <laughs> husband, <laughs> <laughs> I was driving. Um, okay. I've told the story a bazillion times, so I'm not going to tell it again, but short, version is my car was recently broken into. I had to get some repairs because of that. So I've been driving my husband's truck and his car. He has two vehicles, right? So I've kind of gone back and forth depending on what I have to do and what the weather's like. Well twice on two different vehicles, we had a little issue. And my my little's in the back going, mommy, I don't know why, but I just feel really bad in my heart. Every time you mess up,
1: <laughs> it's like,
0: <laughs> bless your heart. And by messing up, she means like, um, when I pulled into a parking space and like the cement parking thing that pretty much is a stopper, you know, the you low, file, over it. low profile <laughs> car, like, <laughs> oh, hey, I got a little close. Or the big truck, which is completely opposite than the low profile. For so the big truck, I fucking scrape the you know run over a curb and scrape the wheel. Like, what am I doing? I don't know, mommy. I just feel bad when you. Oh, bless her heart. So she has a gift. I can feel it, mm-hmm. just like you. Oh, thank you. So your your holistic coaching. Tell us a little bit about that. Like, what is if someone comes to you and says, "Hey, I want to work with you." Who's that person?
1: Yeah, usually the person that that likes to work with me is the person that's trying to take their life's challenges and turn it into a coaching business. Mm -hmm. So that's, yeah, those are my people. It's, you know, it's your story a few steps back, right? That's usually who we're serving. And so I love serving the people that have been through some stuff and Mm -hmm. now they're at a better place with it. And they'd like to be of service to others with um, the challenges that they've faced in their life and overcome. So um, those are the people I love to be around. I love to be around people that have a higher calling that, you know, just feel like they have potential that they want to maximize. Um, Mm -hmm. And that coaching is that way that they want to be of service to other people and that they want to step into some sort of side gig or full-time gig or whatever. They want to make some money also from this this reciprocation of being of service to people. Um, So Mm -hmm. those tend to be my people. Yeah.
0: You just brought up the word money. Yeah. (laughs) Something I wonder just immediately because we've talked about this as a coach, I have noticed I've actually had, I don't want to say arguments, but I've had some pretty intense conversation with other coaches based on how much you charge for what you do Mm -hmm. and how can you charge that. And we have some people in the community that charge. A lot. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing people pay it, right? So recently we were talking, a group of us were talking, and I had someone who's so sweet and so kind. And I know that her heart is in the right place, but at the same time, you're not feeding yourself, right? You don't have the funds Mm -hmm. if you want to keep giving your practice away because the gal that is homeless that you really connected with is taking up all your time. How, and, and essentially it was, how can I charge Susie this kind of money when I know she's homeless, but mm-hmm. she needs me. So how do you go about that with your clients that are looking to make a business out of their coaching and, and have them feel like they're doing the right thing and being able to charge totally. appropriately knowing that that's it's a business? Yeah.
1: I mean, part of it is I've got to prepare for greater impact workbook. So if any of the listeners are are listening and want to grab that, that's um, available on my LinkedIn profile. Um, But one of the things that I tell people when, when you're starting your business is you have to make sure that there's a financial baseline for you. So I didn't just jump from a job. To a coaching business, I worked full-time somewhere 32 hours a week, and I built my business on the side, right? Mm -hmm. And so I I had a discussion with my husband about what I needed to be bringing in so that I was contributing to our our bills. Um, So I'm very practical about these things. You know, I'm never encouraging people to just leap into this. I think it's something you build. Um, And so making sure that you have abundance happening is very helpful when you're trying to create more abundance, right? If you're in scarcity, if you're feeling needy about or desperate to have money, it's going to be very hard to build a business or a side gig for yourself. So that's definitely one thing I I would look at. And then the other thing is that the ICF, they do a survey every two to three years with their coaches. And the last survey just came out in 2019 the data came out this year, um, $231 is the average, um, coaching, uh, fee that people mm-hmm. ask. Right. So, but it depends on niche as well. Right. So right. usually if you're coaching around business or sales or something like that, people, you know, get, or they see the return on investment much easier. Right. So they, they're more willing to spend the money there. Um, for life coaching, recovery coaching, some of these other things, it's it's just as equally as valuable, you know, um, as, as something else. But sometimes people don't see that value as much, right. right? So I see people coming in a little bit lower there where it's like $150 a session or around around that area. And that's what the ICF is seeing as well. So that just kind of gives you a little bit of a range to have an yeah. understanding of, of how people are doing that. Cool. Good to
0: know. Look at all this info you guys got today. He <laughs> had zero idea we were going to have this, huh? Or, yeah. but, but because we got all of this great information from such a lovely woman and so well put together, we're going to do something amazing for her. And we're going to go buy her fucking
1: book. Yes. 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 Yes.
0: (laughs) Transcending trauma. How I used spiritual psychology to heal my life. Beverly Sartain. Where can they find this book?
1: Yep. You can find the book, um, on my website, which is holistic coach training Institute, um, forward slash transcending trauma. So there's an actual page for the book.
0: And- awesome. And we'll put a link in the show notes for our guests.
1: Perfect. And then you can also find the book on, on Amazon as well. So if that's just a, a better place for you to go, it's more easily accessible to you, then, then please head over there and, and grab it there.
0: Awesome. Okay. Last question. I asked this to most of my guests, not all of them because I forget sometimes. If you could invite someone dead or alive to a dinner party at your home, who would it be and why?
1: Mm, there's someone who came in right away. Um, could it be a fictional character?
0: Oh my gosh, it could be whatever
1: <laughs> you want it to be. <laughs> I'm not going down a list of details, just whoever came to you. <laughs> All right, well, I, I'm a big- Tinkerbell? No, I'm a big Matrix <laughs> fan. And so I love oh. the Matrix. And my the character I love the, the most is Morpheus. And so I would definitely- have you seen that movie?
0: Uh, no, <laughs> I just
1: know that. <laughs> um, no,
0: I have seen tidbits of like Keanu Reeves doing some really weird bendy yeah. thing in yeah. commercials. That's all I have.
1: <laughs> well, um, I just love the character Orpheus, <laughs> and he's just a really great character, and he's kind of like a spiritual character, a spiritual guide, and that's that's how I feel like I am in my in my journey now too is guiding other people around trauma and substance abuse and, and mental health. And so that's, that's why I feel strongly about that character. What's his, what's the character's name? Morpheus. So if Morpheus came to dinner, what would you guys talk about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the whole, the whole movie is like about, you know, this crazy world that they live in versus this other world. Um, And so I can relate to that.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Can we?
1: Yeah. And then there's like, you know, you take the red pill or you take the blue pill and then you have a different reality of life. And so, yeah, gosh, I feel like I need
0: to go watch this. It might be my afternoon.
1: Sorry. Whoever's on the, whoever's on the schedule
0: next, I've got to go watch the matrix, which by the way, probably came out in like fucking eight.
1: I know it
0: was. That's how you know how old I am. And Beverly and I both were like two, okay? We just really (laughs)
1: knew we were going to like it.
0: Oh my gosh. I am so, so happy that we were able to get together. Thank you so much for your time. Thank
1: you for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so happy that we did this. Again, Beverly Sartain. Please go get her book, Transcending Trauma, How I Used Spiritual Psychology to Heal My Life. We're going to put some links in the show notes so you can find her website about coaching. You can find her Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever spiel, you know, all the stuff, the socials, because we're like social. (laughs) If she doesn't have an Instagram, we're going to get a one. I
1: know. (laughs) I, I did have one, but I'm I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. It's so funny that you done that. I have to tell you, it's just like you just know. Well,
0: not everybody. See, you only do those that have. Okay, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. The end. Okay.
1: Peace out. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you. That was really enjoyable.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right. All right. Calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I've been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.